With spring right around the corner, maybe you like me, you're excited to get out for longer walks and runs, pick up a new book to read outside, or just get out and explore new neighborhoods and food. Or we could do all three wrapped in one. Our friends over at Read and Run Chicago are expanding to nearby Lamont for three different meetups. The group is like a combination running club, book club, and neighborhood tour, and each route in Lamont is about three miles paired with a different book from Pat Camaliere's Corotazi Historical Mystery Series. Afterwards, you'll get to sit down with the author and historian and sample some food from local restaurants. The first run is Saturday, March 23rd. Spots are limited and are going to go fast. So register now at readandrunchicago.com or find the link on their Instagram at readandrunchicago. Today on CityCast Chicago. You've seen their names in headlines, on t-shirts and in films, Monty and Rose. They're birds. Well, not just birds, but piping plovers and endangered species. Producer Simone Alisea went to Montrose Beach with Ann Hetzelgunkel, one of the many volunteers who protect plovers like Monty and Rose, and now their offspring. Simone wanted to know straight up, why should we care about these birds? It's Thursday, May 11th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is What Chicago's Talking About. Is it plover or plover? I've heard it say said both ways. I say plover. I see lots of people say plover. <laughs> you know, I told you we when we first talked, I explained like no one on my team is we're not birders. And there's so much hype around the piping plovers. Uh, and there has been for the past few years. What is it that has people so gaga over over these birds? Well, I mean, um, they're first of all, they're a testament to what habitat restoration can do. This is one of the busiest beaches and one of the biggest cities in North America. And an endangered bird set up shop here because the habitat was restored. And it didn't even take a whole lot of habitat. Most of the beach is still for human use. There's people right now kite surfing. There's a dog beach down the way. There's lots of different shared uses, but the birds uh, came to this habitat and stayed. And so a restored habitat here is able to draw these shorebirds that for the most part, have stopped coming here. Who were Monty and Rose, and what is their story? Monty and Rose are two Great Lakes piping plovers, an endangered species, um, who arrived and nested here in 2019. They tried to nest in 2018. They actually met each other as fledglings, I think, um, in Waukegan Beach. And the habitat was just not welcoming There was a gravel parking lot with people doing donuts in their cars near where they wanted to nest. So it didn't work out, but they met that year and showed up in the spring of 2019. And these were the first birds to nest here in Chicago in this species in about 70 years. So it's huge. This species had been nearly extinct by the 1980s. There were only 12 nesting pairs left in the entire Great Lakes. Now we're up to about 74, 75 pairs. It's about halfway to like what's considered restoration level. So the idea that these birds after 70 years could nest in one of the busiest places filled with humans uh, in a big city was just astonishing. So people just jumped into action. A volunteer network was set up with a variety of the local um, birding societies. And uh, people started 
uh, monitoring them and protecting them around from from sunset uh, sun up till sundown. <laughs> I think what's so interesting about Monty and Rose is that story. You know, it it didn't. It wasn't just in the birding community. You know, it made the news. It made national headlines. I mean, was it just the fact that it had been so many decades? I mean, what was so captivating about this pair of, you know, tiny gray shorebirds? Yeah, they, they have a lot of charisma, I'll say that. It doesn't hurt that their story is uh, such an underdog story. I think something just clicked with the public imagination because they are endangered. They're super tiny, like less than an ounce per bird. Um, they have a precarious life, life, life structure and life cycle. Um, shorebirds are in danger in pretty much everywhere because of human encroachment on the habitat. And they're ridiculously cute. Um, they're adorable. And, and so I think this is an underdog story that just captured people's imagination and um, sort of sparked a kind of feeling of hope. And people rallied around that. And once they actually did successfully nest, as soon as people got a look at what those chicks look like, it's they're so small, the birds to begin with. And then the chicks are basically like a cotton ball on two sticks running around the beach. And it is ridiculously adorable. And I think something just captured the imagination of the public. And, you know, and pretty soon it's like they were on the front page of the, the, the newspapers. They were on all they were covered by all the, the local media. They are probably the best two known piping plovers on the planet, the word of them spread. There are now two documentary films about them. Uh, I mean, it's just incredible. And it's only just now occurring to me that Monty and Rose, it's Montrose. I, I literally did not realize that until just this second as I'm speaking to you. Yes. I mean, it's funny because one of the most important leaders of that volunteer effort, Tamima Itani, uh, she named the Monty and Rose just for convenience sake, for Montrose Beach, of course. And I think that that actually helped the public grab onto the fact that this wasn't an abstract story about endangered species. Um, this, this became sort of personal. Yeah, I, I loved the uh, the Chicago is for plovers yes. T-shirt. That was my favorite thing. There were there were memes and just just images. So many. Right now, if you put a piping plover on something in the Chicago area, it's golden. <laughs> the, I mean, the attachment to these birds and their story was extraordinary. The City of Chicago Department of Business Affairs and Consumer Protection offers a free entrepreneur certificate program for future and current business owners in Chicago. Participants must complete six webinars within six months in designated webinar categories. Graduates are eligible to apply for the CIBC Bank USA Entrepreneur Loan Program, a bank partner with BACP. The longstanding program was created to support startup or early stage small businesses, gain entrepreneur training with important working capital. Since the program launched, more than 1,000 Chicago entrepreneurs and business owners have successfully completed the program. Completing the process is as easy as one, two, three. Number one, register by signing up at chicago.gov slash BACP certificate. Number two, attend six webinars by registering for upcoming webinars at chicago.gov slash BACP webinars. And number three, graduate from the program and you'll receive your digital certificate and information on connecting with CIBC Bank USA. To learn more about the BACP Entrepreneur Certificate Program, please visit chicago.gov slash BACP certificate. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. 
In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. What does a plover look like? What does it sound like? How can people recognize one if they come up to Montrose? Um, well, one way to recognize them is that um, the um, piping plover monitors are usually out here in our orange shirts. You can find us easily at the shore, um, and we can point them out to you because they are very small, and they are usually within the protected area. It is a whitish, grayish, grayish bird uh, with an orange and black beak and orange legs. It runs so quickly across the sand. The average person would never really know that they're seeing a plover nest, which is why we needed to protect the space. The eggs are very, very small, and it's not like they, they don't nest in a tree. They nest on the sand. They scrape what's, what's called a scrape, and they maybe sort of decorate the scrape with some shells or uh, and s- such like. But it's you could literally, you could easily walk right over and smash a plover nest or any shorebird nest, um, and which is why these areas have to be protected so carefully because they're so fragile and uh, humans would never notice that it's there. What do they sound like? Is there a sound? It's a kind of piping sound. That's piping plover, hence piping plover. And you can hear that when they're calling to each other across the beach. Um, It's a piping sound that once you've heard it, you can recognize it. You know, so much of the the discussion around Monty and Rose, right? It's 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 a love story, for lack of a better way of putting it. Are there like mating rituals involved in that that people could see? Is there like a visual? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So they have um, so the male will do flight displays over the beach to sort of show off, but they do this strange thing called parallel walking. It almost looks like goose stepping. So that's something Monty would do each year here in in. That's right. You know, they they travel about a thousand miles uh, south and a thousand miles back north. And so migration is the most dangerous time in that bird's life cycle. It's very precarious. So it takes enormous amount of energy. There's a lot of uh, predatory risk, uh, weather risk, etc. So, yep, Monty would come back every year and uh, and would, would start those behaviors and then start scraping nests. What has happened to Monty and Rose? So Monty and Rose nested, came back three times, and they successfully fledged chicks each of those times, um, exceeding the average for piping plovers, so they really contributed to this endangered species. It was very, very important what they did. Um, And in the fourth year, um, Monty returned, but we were waiting for, he was waiting for Rose, and Rose never returned, um, presumed lost in the the off-season, in the migratory season. And then, um, sadly, Monty died at Montrose Beach. One of the monitors was watching when that happened. Um, and uh, later we learned um, that he had died of a, f- a fungal respiratory infection, which was unfortunate. So it was, re- it was a real loss for the, for the whole city, really, uh, felt it. Uh, there was a huge memorial right here at the beach. Uh, it, would, it was really very moving. But when that happened, one of their offspring from the previous year, Imani, uh, showed up at Montrose and returned to his hatching grounds and was out there somewhere feeding as we were all celebrating the lives of Monty and Rose. And Imani stayed for quite some time last summer, but no lady friend ever arrived for him to, to mate with. So we're hoping for better luck. And we were surprised and thrilled when he came back this season much earlier. So he's older now. He has more experience. He's here earlier, and we're hoping maybe um, another plover will stop by. 
And there were a couple plovers uh, that were sighted elsewhere in the city. Um, can you tell me about them? Yes, um, an unbanded uh, male plover was first seen at 57th Street Beach and then uh, came up to um, Montrose Beach and was kind of hanging around in the vicinity with Imani. And then, you know, the big thrill, an unbanded lady plover <laughs> showed up and they stayed around for about a week or so, and, but they have moved on. The hope was, of course, that one of the, that she would stay in here with him and nest. But um, so this is a stopping point. So we're hoping that, that more stop by. Yeah, I mean, how... Is that likely? Is it is the is the prospect looking good for Imani? Like it it feels like I'm kind of on the edge of my seat here. Like is he really gonna is it gonna happen for him? Well, we kind of all feel the same. I think um, there's so much hope uh, um, in this situation. But you know, he arrived very very nicely in April, and it's only early May right now. So yes, absolutely, plovers traveling north, still migrating, uh, may well stop here. So there's there is. Definitely a chance, but it is nature and there is no way to know. <laughs> How did you get involved in this? What, what's kind of your story with the plovers and, and how you came to this? Well, I had gotten into birding um, because my son was um, fascinated by birds from a very young age. So we simply just started in, indulging all of his interests and started taking him from place to place to look at birds and got him in bird guides, which he promptly memorized and so on. So we were sort of into birding. I was sort of following in my son's path. And when as soon as we heard that piping plovers were here to possibly set up shop, it was so astonishing. Like everybody else, uh, when the call for volunteers came out, as soon as Monty arrived, we we jumped on that and we became piping plover monitors. And so we were here, you know, all summer long, uh, you know, in um, everything from wind to rainstorms to uh, their funnel clouds to baking heat. We did it all, and we became so involved and so attached. It was really life-changing, quite frankly. How is that? I think I think that the attachment to a project like this, where you have this really tiny, tiny bird, you know, and it's just the the odds of it coming here, succeeding here, thriving here, hatching its chicks and fledging them successfully. It just, it seems like such a long shot given their endangered status, given the fact that birds had not been here for 70 years. And as you participate in that with a, a large group of really dedicated people, uh, it, it, can't, it can't not change you. You're attached to the birds, of course, and to their success. And, you know, um, your hopes rise and fall on, on all the ups and downs of that process. It can be heartbreaking, but it's uh, it is life-changing. It just shifts your perspective. Uh, just being this small part of this process, contributing in this tiny way, it it changes your beliefs about how people can actually make a difference. Um, these birds managed to do it. We can certainly help them out. <laughs> Does that ever get boring? <laughs> just watching these birds, watching out for them? No, and that's the other thing. I think that it um, one of the ways it changes you is that over time you have to learn to be patient. I'm, that's not my best skill, but um, waiting for animals in this way changes you because you're not in control of any of it. <laughs> any advice for um, people who might be interested in the plovers or in birding overall? People who are maybe on the fence, haven't quite, not quite sure where to where to start. I think that birding became um, infinitely more uh, popular during the pandemic. And so that was another thing that made Monty and Rose so special because we were out here monitoring during the lockdown. 
and uh, it was a kind of, again, a source of hope in a time that was really bleak. But if, if you're interested in birding and, you know, if you can get a basic pair of binoculars, that's great. You can look without them. There are apps that can now help you identify the bird you've just seen. There are apps where if you just hold up the phone um, and record just a few seconds of sound, the app will tell you all the birds it just heard in your vicinity. So the tools now for people to start birding are extraordinary. It makes it so much easier. You can learn so fast. And the important thing is just to go out and look. I know. <laughs> that there are people out there who's like, it's just a bird. Why? It's it's just a bird. Why should I care that this bird is here, that it exists? Why why does it matter in the grand scheme of things? Well, that's a, that's a really big question. But I mean, I think the the interesting thing for me in part of this project is that over these years, what we found is that once people are informed they actually really care a lot. And it's been incredibly heartening because um, a lot of people had to be cooperative. When Monty and Rose first came, this protected area was much, much smaller, of course. And there were people playing volleyball with the volleyballs rolling right into the protected zone by the plovers in their nest. And and when we explained the, the situation, um, all of the people who used the beach for that moved graciously and happily to protect an endangered species. And there was supposed to be a musical festival right on this beach in 2019. And, you know, people stepped up and said, hey, this is an endangered species. We can put that festival somewhere else. Um, so it's actually... Um, well, I, there's some cynicism. Why should I care? Well, every species we lose is is a pic- part of the picture. That's means we're going to lose an ecosystem that keeps us alive. So, for selfish reasons, we need to care. Um, but because we're the stewards of this, so actually, I think that the way that the Monty and Rose story was shared, people actually were not cynical. I mean, we shared the story of these birds with the public and people really responded. They actually did care. And that's partially, that's part of the reason we succeeded because we had so many people supporting this and thinking it was incredible and wonderful. And thank you so much for taking the time and uh, talking plovers with me today. There's nothing I'd rather do than watch plovers or talk about plovers. (laughs) You're very welcome. I'm glad to do it. Before I let you go, a little bit of news, y'all. Four individuals have been charged with the murder of Ariana Preston, a Chicago police officer returning to her home at Avalon Park early Saturday. 53 people have applied to lead the Chicago Police Department, and Fred Waller is not one of them. Waller will take the interim role on Monday, but says he doesn't want it permanently. Cook County is wiping out about $80 million in medical debt for nearly 73,000 residents as part of the county's partnership with the national nonprofit that's acquiring and eliminating personal debts. And some good news. I'm really excited to be back with my friends at the Carol Robinson Center for Learning, a Westside org that promotes early childhood education for their annual celebration gala. I'll be hosting tonight, and even if you ain't in the building, you can participate in their cool online auction now. Check the link in the show notes to learn more about the items available, as well as more about the organization. As always, we appreciate you for listening. Make sure you're following along with our daily newsletter, Hey Chicago, at chicago.citycast.fm. Today, our newsletter editor, Sydney Madden, has some fantastic Mexican restaurants across the city, restaurants to celebrate AAPI Restaurant Week, as well as a whole section on the Gardening Awards. I'm going to talk to you bright and early tomorrow. Peace. <laughs>